Hey friends, welcome to the Conversations As You Go podcast. Today we jump out of the box and listen to Letitia Shelton. I read an article in the Eternity magazine a little while ago and I know it touched some of our team as they also read it and read this remarkable story of this lady in Toowoomba who was challenged in the early 2000s to get out and engage with her community and has begun a bit of a movement really of women uh, engaging with women and harnessing churches and uh, all sorts of different ministries have emerged. Um, They uh, started a ministry called City Women and um, this is really great as we look at what it is to catalyze people into mission to engage uh, outside of our church communities and uh, to be able to then also see how God uses women in ministry and in leadership. So welcome, Letitia. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Letitia, just tell us a little bit about your story, your beginnings, how you came to Christ. What's your upbringing like? Going back a long way now, but um, yes, I've grown up as a pastor's daughter My dad started our church here in Toowoomba 47 years ago, and I just turned 47. So, um, you know, I can can never remember not knowing Jesus, Um, and I think I got baptised around 10. But when I was 19, I went away to Youth with a Mission in Fiji, and uh, that was hard and it was challenging, and but I found Jesus in a whole new way and, and in a personal relationship for myself. So um, that really set me on a path where um, I was willing to give up everything for him um, and never looked back since, really. I guess it's been one of those journeys of that just loving Jesus and answering his call upon my life. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, looking back at your story, um, growing up, in a in a um, uh, as a pastor's kid, what was that like? What were some of the challenges there? Yeah, I can't really remember too many actually. Um, I'm one of five children, and look, my dad. Um, parents are well-rounded and so it was never you know the the church at the expense of your family I think we were our family were involved in the mission and so it was you know we were given a mission bigger than ourselves and the church wasn't the mission we've never been church centric we've always been city and nations and that as a church we're here to pastor our city Um, and so I think because it was never dull or boring or religious, um, but it was alive. And yes, we were doing something far greater than our own family. Uh, quite often these days, you see that families are focused on the children. Well, that was never our case. <laughs> we were focused on the call of God, uh, but we were well looked after and fed. Um, but it was, yeah, and, and our friends were in the church and it was just uh, an exciting journey. We moved to Fiji when I was 15 for a year and I loved that. So it's been a very, very positive experience for me. Wow, that's that's so good to hear. We have a, some similar similar connection points as I grew up as a missionary kid in Papua New Guinea and um, nothing but honour for my mum and dad as they, mm. they exposed us to a world that caused us to think bigger than ourselves. And uh, also 20 years in YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, and so... Uh, Bring us into the story of how City Women began and what what was that story? Hmm. Yes, um, so I went off um, to study at Bible College 
for three years and never wanting to come back to Toowoomba at all, but God called me back here in the year 2000 and I started as a pastor in my church uh, as a youth pastor. But um, having grown up under my dad and been taught that we're here to pastor a city, so I wasn't just thinking about the few kids in our church. And um, right in the early days, we had a challenge from our mayor. Um, She came and spoke to a group of Christian women and said, you ladies are doing great things inside your church, but why don't you get get outside the four walls of your church and do something for our city? Um, And she swore at us. (laughs) She was this really rough, tough, passionate mayor, really passionate for the young people and uh, I think quite rightly I'm so often the world looks at the church and thinks aren't we meant to be helping isn't that the role of the church Um, and that's how we started out but we've veered away from that a lot and so um, she was right to swear at us I think Um, (laughs) and that really challenged us and so we began to just thought well let's just work with our chaplains in our city and take away 20 girls um, on a camp And so we did that in 2001 and uh, we worked together across the churches um, to do that. And then, yeah, during that weekend, it again radically changed my life because these girls, most of them were suicidal, had been sexually abused, you know, self-harming. And um, I just realized our city was sick. And I remember coming back from that camp, we'd um, brought the girls back um, into Toowoomba on a bus and um, a large girl, she was a bit mentally slow and disabled and she got off and and met her mum and she said mum I've had so many hugs this weekend on camp and a mum looked at her and said who'd want to hug you so um, it was just kind of all these pieces falling into my heart that man our city's sick and we are so busy doing church we're so busy inside our church building my city looks beautiful. Um, it's got lovely gardens. We're rated as the top fourth family-friendly city in Australia. Everything's going for it. Um, but we've got this dark underbelly, as does every city. So that was really a catalyst to then begin to look at how do we, yeah, mobilise the church, not just one church. Um, it takes every church to win a citywide battle. Um, and we all represent a bit of Jesus. My church doesn't have the fullness of Jesus, neither does yours. That's why we need the body of Christ. <laughs> and the biggest sin in our cities is the disunity of the church. Uh, we want to point our fingers at everyone else, but um, God has told us that as we're one, he'll be glorified. The world will know. Um, but we still act in a be- disobedience and competition and jealousies. So there's been a big passion in my heart of how can we work together. Um, and so... It's been an exciting journey. Just fantastic. Just fantastic. So you really uh, was brought a challenge by an outsider and and that then you just started to take some tentative steps and engaged and I guess the the levels of not just lostness, because lostness is when we think about somebody not being saved or not accepting the gospel, but areas of brokenness where you're looking at the the abuse and the 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 underbelly as you described it um there um so so you've got this picture of brokenness and i think a lot of christians can get to that place but they don't know what to do next um what do i do i see brokenness i'm here that's out there and and tell us about some of the steps that began between you seeing that picture of brokenness to then you engaging in brokenness um, as a, as a, a meaningful Christian uh, ministry. Mm. 
Yeah, it can be really scary um, when we see the brokenness and we don't know what to do or we don't feel qualified. Um, and the world certainly will tell us that we're not qualified. Um, but, you know, I, I think um, the resources are here that we need, um, not just to pastor a city but to heal a city. So with these girls' camps, um, you know, I thought I was just running one camp. <laughs> you had no idea. Run 65 of them now. But after a few of them, we began to change drastically what we'd do on a weekend So um, because I began to see the brokenness. So part of our camps would bring, be to bring in a man, to bring in a male and to apologise to the girls on behalf of men who've caused pain. Um, look, we'd do a lot of fun, crazy stuff, but we'd do some real poignant sessions that would really um, help bring to the surface um, a lot of, uh, I guess, the pus, um, you know, because a lot of women, when they're abused, they're told, don't you dare tell anyone. This is your fault. If you, um, if you tell anyone, it'll destroy our family. So to have a man stand up in front of 50 little teenage girls and take responsibility and say what happened to you was wrong, that's and these are girls, no Christian background at all, but suddenly for the first time in their life someone is um, building that bridge and uh, making, we, we'd just build an environment where the I guess the pus could come out and we'd have girls just weeping, weeping, weeping and I'd just tell our leaders, I said, you're not here to counsel because we weren't trained counsellors, I said, just go listen. Just sit next to a girl and listen. So for a few hours, we would listen <laughs> to the brokenness. And yes, we would um, talk about the hope in Jesus at the end and give them an opportunity if they wanted to. Um, but again, only God can. We weren't out there to get numbers or save souls necessarily, but to, uh, hey, um, bring healing. And then the next day of camp, we um, brought in about 20 grandfathers so we'd have um, men who we'd given the names of two or three girls um, on camp and they would come in having prayed for these girls and just written a two-minute blessing. So we'd call it the Father's Blessing and just sit in a huge circle. I mean, again, it's nothing cool, nothing um, exciting, but these men would then just release the Father heart of God into these girls. And again, most of these girls have never um, had positive male role models and I always say we don't have an um, eating disorder issue or a suicide issue. We've got a fatherless issue, don't we? Uh, we live in a global orphanage now, um, and especially for girls because a man gives a girl her sense of self-worth. Um, so, again, as the church, we've got to find ways to um, involve good men in the healing of our cities. So, look, they're just some little keys that we've learnt along the way. Fantastic, and you, you just started to really engage um in in a real level of of need and and um i'd love to dive into why you think um there's so much um abuse happening but before we do that um you from there today we see now that you've got over 24 ministries being run and um uh, i see on your website over 8,000 women have been touched. You're working with 200 volunteers, so from magazines to pregnancy support to support for refugees and, and teams that work with sex workers and uh, hope for children with with uh, engaging there and teaching girls in schools. What a, what a wonderful thing. That, take us into some of those steps as you as a leader sitting there engaging, you, you're seeing this this girl just spilling her heart 
in tears from from there it could have stopped there how how did you then learn how to catalyze other people other women other ministries in your city yeah i just just want to add um, all those statistics and everything um things have changed too like that's the big picture that's that's happened in the last 20 years um some ministries have come and gone uh, and so we're very organic things um happen according to who's around i'm not going to keep something going just because um i need to look good so um things have come and gone over the years but that's what we've been able to do all together for 20 years but it's really been um it hasn't been rocket science it's been a process of just looking at what are the needs so um, as we've moved into the city, you begin to see the needs. So I remember we realised that um, we had no pregnancy support centre in our city and 77% of abortions happened because women said they didn't have support. So imagine if we could add support to women who find themselves unexpectedly pregnant, young teenage girls, working class. Um, so um, we became aware of this and so then the job, my job's always been to find out, well, who's passionate? Who's passionate about this area? Um, we're good at knowing needs and anyone just putting up their hand, especially women, because we are so passionate and we feel the pain and we want to do something. Unfortunately, people put up their hands and last about two seconds because it's not their gifting or what God's called them to do. So we're always on a journey of, well, what are the issues and who's got a passion around this issue so um, we managed to find a, a great woman. Actually, she was in my church who was a homeschooling mum, a piano teacher, no no background in running a pregnancy support centre, but she felt like God put, put it on her heart. And because we work together as women across the churches um, and we would gather twice a year uh, at, a, at a city women breakfast and keep sharing stories and updates and, hey, this is something new that we want to start and, um, and other women would come forward and go, that's been on my heart. Um, so when Juliet wanted to start the pregnancy centre, some doctors from other churches came forward, business women, all that she needed um, was across the body. And so that's why we've got to help the body find, it, find itself, become one, so we can actually work together. Uh, an arm by itself is useless, and this is why the church has been so ineffective for so long, because we're not attached to each other and we can't move forward. I mean, it's simple. A one, one church is not the body. It's the church across a city in a location uh, is the body of Christ. So... Um, and then we had a brothel open. Our state government decided that Torma needed a brothel. So again, I became aware of a, um, a grandma in the Presbyterian Church who had a passion to reach prostitutes. So um, we, we formed a small team around her. And for the last 11 years, we've been visiting our brothel. And then a strip club opened and just reaching out to the sex workers. And then uh, thousands of refugees arrived on our doorstep um, a few years ago, Toowoomba is a refugee-friendly city. Uh, they've all come from Iraq and Iran, the Yazidi people. And so again, um, we started something called You Belong um, to welcome these people and and then just help them practically with English lessons and driving lessons. So it's just uh, what are the needs and who's passionate? And I believe that um, the people are in, all the resources are in our city. We just keep them locked up inside church world and we don't allow the body to find itself. So I'm hearing that you, I heard in there that you have uh, 
meeting twice a year with breakfast and you're doing vision casting. So there's storytelling. And as people resonate with those stories, you're having listening conversations with people's passion and then you're networking them with others who are have similar passions and skills and launching them to engage meaningfully in the harvest. Uh, they're, they're great, great principles of how to, how to find and catalyze workers and, um, and uh, how to um, uh, help people engage. Um, what does the role of prayer have in all of this? Yes, um, prayer is linked very closely, obviously, um, and we've had some amazing prayer teams, especially the older generation of uh, women um, who have really supported us in prayer. We have a citywide intercessors team, um, so intercessors from different churches meet every week, um, and I go along whenever I can, um, and they pray. So yeah, there's prayer and prayer and action must be linked together again i think there's a lot of prayer that goes on that's not linked in with action and it can quite often become just religious <laughs> like what are we praying for um and sometimes i think the church even hides behind prayer like we're just going to have another prayer meeting about an issue when <laughs> we just need to get out there and um be part of, we're, we're part of the answers to our prayers aren't we um, sometimes I think, why are we praying when we could actually be doing it as well? So no, prayer is really important, but it's got to be linked to action. Um, and I'm so thankful for the people who pray for me. Prayer is a great foundation, but must be linked with mission. Otherwise, it becomes a hot air bubble <laughs> that, that people just get stuck in that place without engagement in, in God's call for mission. Going back, back a bit, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of the theme of what you're talking about in your ministry is dealing with sex abuse or prostitution or this, uh, and the sexualization of our culture and society. I, I wonder if you want to just have a give us a few moments of reflection on that because it's kind of like we're frogs in the in water that's being heated up to boil and we're not necessarily seeing all that's going on or perhaps we are and just not afraid a bit afraid to talk about it but the effect of pornography the effects of um, the so-called liberalization of our culture our progressive nature of you can do what you want anything goes um, yeah what are some of your reflections there Letitia because I think it has a profound impact not just on Australia but on western cultures liberal democracies in particular who are going down to progressive um, uh, pathways. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, look, I mean, again, I do a lot of work around the issue of pornography, which drives um, uh, prostitution, sex trafficking, um, domestic violence, rape, incest, uh, and it, now it's the number one sex educator in our nation. Um, our young people are seeing it, but first exposure is between the ages of eight and eleven, um, and so it's it's our, our young people are growing up with wall, the wallpaper of pornography. I guess is their background to society, and it's so normalised. Um, but it's teaching our young boys violence. It's teaching girls. Girls who watch porn are more likely to be sexually abused because porn is normalising that type of behaviour. Uh, so it's just impacting at so many levels, inside the church, outside the church, men and women, rich and poor. 
Um, and so, yeah, we five years ago, myself and our mayor started a campaign called A City Free From Porn to um, raise awareness at a city level on the harms that pornography is causing. But, um, you know, adults are fighting for their freedoms to watch porn and uh, it is called so, you know, it's so-called sexual freedom. Um, but when it's destroying our children, um, we, we've really got to speak up. But um, there's no sexual freedom in it at all because um, there's no intimacy, <laughs> no beauty of God's creation. It's, um, it's the foulest thing you could ever imagine. There's so much um, addiction and hidden addiction that's going on in this area. Huge. And, um, the, the change of what's happening in, in brains, even neural pathways. and uh, it's, a, it's a massive, massive issue in our culture. And, um, yeah, now, as, a, as a, uh, a woman in leadership, and you obviously grew up in, in a culture that affirmed women in leadership, um, would that be correct, Letitia? Absolutely, yes, no, very much, um, very much from our church to all its leaders, yes, so it's never been an issue for me at all not until I've started traveling around the nation um, and speaking and realizing that some denominations have to put men in the room to supervise what I say <laughs> oh wow so I've, I've obviously passed the test so far but um anyway yeah you realize gosh this is um a huge issue across our nation in the 21st century still mm. Mm. how would you um reflect on it um biblically um with the 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 whole biblical reflection where there's some scriptures that seem to be problematic um in women in leadership um and um just just for those listening i'm going to be drawing out some some themes uh in the coming podcasts on on uh biblical reflection on women in leadership but letitia um how have you encountered that and and navigated um um the biblical reflection on women in leadership yeah. Now, look, I've just spent the last three years studying every woman in the Bible mm. <laughs> and actually written a whole bunch of books called um, The Little Handbooks of Disruptive Biblical Women. Um, but, um, yeah, look, there's the the Second Timothy passage and First Corinthians, women must be silent, that men always like to um, quote at me after I've preached. Um, but when you look deeper, there's uh, cultural and context issues at work there. Um, it's funny how they never quote, you know, the scriptures of women who were um, planting churches. <laughs> um, they always, I mean, when you look through the Bible, Jesus had no issue. In fact, when he came to earth, he everything for um, women changed. Suddenly they were traveling with him. They were declaring his resurrection. Uh, they were funding his mission. Yep, they were planting churches. They were elders. They were deacons. Um, and so the Bible's example is so different to those two passages that we just, um, yeah, get so caught up on. Um, and plus also we, we forget that women, we're, we represent half the image of God. He is male and female. And so the minute you cut a woman's voice out of church world, you're cutting out half the image of God. Um, and so you're, you're not getting a full reflection of who Jesus is. Um, and we're a, for a family, we need the voices of both men and women. Um, and so, yeah, we, every, everyone um, everyone suffers when women. Uh, and, you know, God, 
God never intended that men and women be at war with each other, but he intended that we go to war together. He commissioned us, Adam and Eve, together in the garden. and um, But yet, through the fall, it's all gotten misconstrued, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I really, really agree, Letitia. And, um, you know, some would even suggest that not only are women church planters, elders and deacons, but also apostles in in the New Testament, people like Junior in Romans 12 and um, um, and so on. But um, uh, the, um, the, the biblical reflection is really interesting. I, I kind of say every man that has a problem with women in leadership uh, forgot about their mother. So... Um, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a real place for women in leadership, and we as we see church planting movements explode, we see often even up to eighty percent of church planters in in places like India and China are women, and um, they're they're the ones that are really leading the way. Often non-threatening can access communities in ways men cannot, and um, yeah, really fantastic. Um, so you you are one that would believe in women uh, stepping out and engaging in mission. And um, uh, tell us a bit about how you want to see that happen more in the church in Australia. Yeah, I mean, I want to see everyone engage in mission, not just women. Um, <laughs> now, look, there's... For a start, um, everyone is in. We're all a missionary. If you're a Christian, you're an instant missionary, um, and so wherever you are, God's placed you to bring His light and His hope. So, mission is not something you necessarily um, have to sign up to do. Where where you are, you've, you're called to make a difference. So, I'd love to see that um, preached a lot more and people equipped. I mean, the role of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, the ministry is not the ministry necessarily in their church, but it's where they find themselves. Um, so I think, you know, people having a greater understanding that you don't have to go overseas for missions or join a non-for-profit. Um, and I think if we became aware of that and lived like we were missionaries, um, we'd probably see a lot more kingdom fruit and help them find other Christians in their workplaces or their streets and really have to step out and believe for God to be at work. I mean, my area obviously is particularly focused on the vulnerable um, and, yeah, we, we need both men and women in that area. The church has got to be um, out there with the vulnerable. It's our core ministry. It's, you know, who Jesus came first for. <laughs> um, and we're, we're just not cutting it um, in our cities. We're, we're, we don't know how to pastor a city. We don't know how to engage um, you know, with them. We don't even have to start necessarily Christian ministry. Just go and help the non-Christians in what they're doing. A lot of them are more passionate about our city than the Christians are, I find, actually. Um, and a lot of them are more unified. In our city, we have a great network of um, all the all the organisations helping the vulnerable, um, and most of them aren't Christians, and they work together in amazing ways. So I think it's having an understanding that the church is here for the city. The city's not here for the church. Um, my job is to build a great city, not a great church. Um, now, as we do that, um, I think you'll see an amazing church as we become alive and our gifts and our passions and um, are out there. 
So, yeah, unfortunately, we've made Christianity so church-centric, not the kingdom of God. Um, and I, I think most Christians don't feel a responsibility for where they live and <laughs> that it's their job to change their city. Mm, mm. So, um, look, I can say so much on that, but that's a broad overview. The more I have read and look at your ministry, I, I kind of think, well, this this is so valuable and should be multiplied across the, the nation. How are you multiplying city women throughout Australia? Yeah, look, we do um, have a number of groups around Australia um, operating. And I'm not trying to start a franchise that copies me necessarily, but wherever I can find a team of women in a city. And I just say it's about two things. It's about unity and mission. So um, make sure you find a few other women. Now, you don't have to make sh- you don't have to join every church together because that probably won't ever happen, and it's never happened in our city. And even at this moment, you know, we've probably gone backwards in our unity. Um, but it's just finding those who are willing to gather and keep um, gathering together in that way. Um, so, yep, unity, find some other women from other churches, and then what can you work together on? So in some cities, they just find one or two things. Um, other cities do a bit more. It just depends. Um, it looks different wherever it is. So, um, yeah, look, we're, we're working around. I, I spend probably more than half of my time traveling mm. and speaking and working with other communities and um, have just re-engaged back into Fiji um, in the last few years too. So I've just been there for the whole month of May because um, they're a nation where two and three women are abused and they rate fourth highest in the world for Googling porn, uh, yet more than 60% of the nation goes to church. So um, that shows you the irrelevance of the church <laughs> um, and the misunderstanding the the more we understand uh, theologically God's role, there should be less abuse. Um, you know, so there's a lot of old paradigms there that need to be shifted and disrupted, but it's a joy to be working in there again. Hmm. Fantastic. Uh, Letitia, if people want to find out about you, uh, want to hear more, want to um, uh, read up a bit more, what do they do? Yeah, our website, citywomen.com.au, is probably the best, um, citywomen.com.au. Otherwise, find me on Facebook, um, and you'll find out a fair bit about what I do on Facebook as well. Um, but, yeah, very happy to connect. If you want me to come and speak in your city, very happy to. Uh, generally, I find that when I can speak to a group, particularly women in a city, they will um, then mobilise themselves um, I think it's just giving them a vision of what can happen. And, and most women, they want to do so much more. Um, it's already in their heart. It's the way God shaped us. We, we are compassionate. We're nurturers. Uh, we see and feel the pain of our communities. And, um, yeah, we, we want more. Well, thanks, Letitia. Um, it's just been a, a great pleasure and a privilege to have you uh, speaking and bringing a word of encouragement to us. I wonder if there's any thing you'd like to finish us off with in this podcast yeah i'd love to just particularly give a challenge to the women who are listening uh, i love that all throughout the bible women fight for life in fact eve the first woman who 
her name means life. And uh, you really see women in the Bible fighting for life, especially where their family is in danger, where their community is in danger. And so I want to challenge us. Unfortunately, church has probably made us become nice um, women. And it's important to be nice, but you're allowed to be disruptive and you're allowed to fight for life. And I know that there's things on your heart that really irritate you, that annoy you, that you're passionate about, that you want to do something about. And I just want to encourage you, step out. Um, fight for life. It will take a risk. It will take courage. Um, but God is out there before you. He's always out there in the unknown and he will fight with you. Um, this is his heart. This is his passion. And he's just looking for a church who will uh, rise up and engage in our communities and the issues. And so um, I just want to say, go for it. God bless you all.